Welcome to the Australian Digital Health Agency podcast, supporting health professionals to realise a healthier future for Australians through connected healthcare. Welcome to the Australian Digital Health Agency podcast. I'm Dr Andrew Rochford and I'll be your host for today. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are broadcasting from and in which you are listening. I wish to acknowledge their continuing connection to land, sea and community, and I pay my respects to them and to Elders past, present and emerging, and extend the respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples joining us today. Allergies are increasing in Australia and affect approximately one in five people. People with allergies tend to access a range of different healthcare providers, including GPs, specialists, pharmacists, and dietitians. But how is their allergy information communicated when there are multiple providers involved in their care? Today, we are going to be talking to a panel of experts about the benefits of the My Health Record for people with known allergies. Joining me today is Dr. Dean Tay, a paediatric allergist and immunologist at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne and Murdoch Children's Research Institute. Dr. Aaron Chambers, a community GP at Grow Life Medical. Maria Said, who is the CEO of Allergy and Anaphylaxis Australia and the co-chair of the National Allergy Strategy. And Dr. Charlotte Hespy, who is a GP working in Inner West Sydney and the current chair for New South Wales and ACT of the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners. Thank you everyone for joining me. Um, to begin with, I'd like us to just help explain to the listeners what are allergies and how are they different from intolerances? And I think we probably should go to the allergy specialist to start with. Dean, do you mind kicking things off? Yes, it can be confusing, can't it? Um, allergies and intolerances really fall into the same category of uh, a sensitivity. And a sensitivity is basically having a, um, a, a reproducible reaction to a particular food or drug when uh, you're exposed to it and having a same reaction every single time. These sensitivities can be a, an intolerance, which is basically not mediated through the immune system, such as a lactose intolerance, or it could be an allergy, which is which is mediated through the body's immune system. And for allergies, there's two main broad categories. There is the immediate form allergies where upon being exposed to, say, a peanut, we immediately develop lip swelling, uh, a rash, vomiting, difficulty breathing, or even collapse. These are the ones where we can perform skin pre-testing for, do a blood allergy test for, and potentially could have an anaphylactic reaction, and hence you may need an EpiPen for it. Or it could be the delayed form allergies where after being exposed to a particular uh, drug or food, uh, you have delayed onset symptoms either f- uh, several hours later or even the next day. Uh, and this could manifest in um, either a rash or a, a eczema rash or uh, through gut symptoms. So for today's discussion, I think we really want to focus in on the anaphylactic type allergies because these are the ones which could be potentially life-threatening. And these are the critical information that we'd like to see uploaded onto my health record. Maria, do you have something to add to the difference between allergies and and intolerances? And could you also just give us a picture of of the changing rates of allergies in Australia over time? Because I think everybody is getting this sense now that we're seeing more allergies now than we saw in the past. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Uh, Look, I just wanted to add to what Dean said, and that is although although we have... A, a number of common allergens, such as milk, egg, peanut, tree nuts, uh, shellfish, sesame, wheat, for example. We have a list of more than 100, 170 other foods that um, can also cause allergic reactions that can be life-threatening. 
So we have a common group that cause 90% of allergic reactions, but then there are foods such as chicken, mustard, kiwi fruit that can certainly trigger anaphylaxis as well. And it's those allergens that are potentially life-threatening that we want to be added, communicated to healthcare professionals and, and others that, that need to know about them. The, yeah, allergic disease is certainly on the increase in, uh, in Australia and it has been for some, you know, 15, 20 years. We have published data confirming that it's not just a figment of our imagination. We have an increased number of hospitalisations. As a registered nurse myself, when I nursed in the 80s, I didn't get to see an anaphylaxis in hospital. But by the time I was working in ED in 2005, 2006, almost every shift, there was uh, an anaphylaxis presentation. We now have research that certainly shows that Australia has high rates of food allergy. One in 10 infants has food allergy. And we're looking at about uh, 6% of uh, children. It's, it's certainly something that, that has increased over the last 20 years. As a parent of a 30-year-old with food allergy, it was rare in the 1990s. You, had to, you struggled to find someone else with, with food allergy. It's very different to that now. We have children in every classroom, in every childcare. And, you know, the children of the 90s and early 2000s are now reaching adulthood So, or, or in adulthood. So we have an increased number of adults with, with allergic disease as well. Is somebody able to give us an idea for those listening about what the the most common journey is for somebody who who has had an allergic reaction or that first allergic reaction or they've had a child that's had an allergic reaction and the different types of healthcare professionals um, that they will have to see and, and would become part of that care just so people can start to understand you know, just how many different areas of information are going to be um, a part of uh, the management of, of that disease into the future. Maria? Yeah, look, it really uh, depends on the person. But one of the things we need to remember is that that people that have allergic disease often have different allergic disease states. So they might have eczema and then they, you know, may be admitted as children. They may, you know, be admitted for bronchiolitis and, you know, it not be called asthma until they're two or three years of age. They may have a food allergy. It's, it's more and more common for people to have different allergic diseases. If they start off with eczema and it's quite severe, they might be referred to a dermatologist. Their GP may refer them to a dermatologist and, you know, their, their food allergy might not be diagnosed till further down the track. If their asthma's playing up and they're not under an allergist, they might send them off to see a respiratory physician or they might be under the care of a paediatrician. So a person can be under the care of numerous health professionals who are looking after different aspects of their allergic disease. I don't know if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I mean, you paint the picture of the fact that there's a lot of people involved. It's, it's not a simple process. Aaron, do you have something you could add? Yeah, so I think as a GP, I think um, there's two common circumstances that I'll see people with allergies. So one is often children presenting where they've had a first or second or third more mild reaction to, to a food, so typically a, a skin rash 
or, or it, it carries. So it's that kind of immediate onset uh, sort of swelling and lumps after eating a food that they might be allergic to. Um, and so that patient journey might be that we'll refer them off and get some uh, some testing done. They might then be diagnosed with something that they are definitely allergic to and they might need an EpiPen for that. And in that circumstance, it's really important that that relationship of continuity um, with their regular GP is maintained because that's where we can help enter that information into their My Health record and, and make it available to anyone in the future. The other one is where someone's been treated in emergency, having had an episode of anaphylaxis. It might have been their first, it might have been uh, a subsequent episode. But and equally, it's, it's important they come back so that then similarly, we can enter that allergy um, into their My Health record. Hopefully, the hospital emergency department might have entered um, an event summary to show what happened and, and describe what, uh, what reaction occurred. And then, uh, and then going forward, really maintaining that list of what they are allergic to based on that information from coming all from all the different uh, different people, and and helping that individual interpret their symptoms over time, um, and educate about what the relevance of all the aspects of their care are. Charlotte, thanks, Aaron, for that. What I would like to add at this point is that this is a great opportunity if you're a person with an allergy that's in any stage of the journey, either just having been diagnosed through to having had it for a long time, to actually go and have a chat with your GP about making sure it is recorded properly in your electronic health record with your GP and that you can also ask them to then upload that as a health summary into your My Health record. If you haven't looked at your My Health records, also a great opportunity to go and find out how you do that. I won't do the details at this point in time, except to say that it's pretty easy to do once you've got it all registered and have a look. But the GP, it's also really easy. Um, and all they do is, with a conversation with you, make sure that all the information that you're wanting to upload in the, the summary, which is around an accurate recording of your allergies, your current medications, relevant past medical history, and your immunizations is then um, agreed to and uploaded as a document into your My Health record. And that can be updated at any time when there's a change. And I encourage everybody to make sure that it is uploaded every time that's changed. Dean? I'd like to uh, build on what Charlotte had said, and as a specialist, when we see patients in our in our rooms, it's enormously helpful to know, for example, what asthma medications they're on. Um, quite often, um, patients would have left their asthma medications at home, and if we know that a, um, a, a young person has got troublesome asthma, they're experiencing asthma symptoms two or three times per week, it does really make a big difference if we knew that they were on a low-dose steroid preventer versus a high-dose uh, steroid preventer. So having this accurate information just allows um, everyone to manage um, your child's allergic condition um, uh, more accurately and hence um, a better management plan is put in place for your for your child's health. Aaron, just to build on that you know, as a GP, how important is it from your point of view that the accuracy of that information that's in a patient's history about allergies and adverse reactions is maintained and also kept up to date, as you guys have alluded to. You know, I think patients are only now starting to understand just how important information is when it comes to decisions being made about their care. And I think that for a very long time, there's been this 
belief that doctors just know <laughs> and that, you know, you can get a sense of, you know, gathering of information um, to, to make the best treatment calls, the, be the best referrals, the best diagnoses. But I think, you know, it's important for us in this position now on this podcast to really start to talk to people about um, how important that information actually is to their, their overall outcomes when it comes to medical care. That's right. You know, I think there is this kind of uh, because we've got all these fantastic tools like my health record, everyone presumes that the information is there, um, but it actually takes active work on the part of the clinician or the, uh, the patient to load that data into the my health record. So we have to remember that it's only as useful as the information that's put in there. And I think to tell you a story that I'm aware of where um, there, there was a patient who had a fairly significant reaction to penicillin um, who then subsequently had that uploaded into their shared health summary by their GP. Um, and it was some time later they went to the emergency department um, and for some reason the penicillin allergy wasn't actually uh, transmitted verbally uh, to the clinician looking after that, uh, that patient in the emergency department, but they required it a penicillin-based antibiotic as the first choice. Luckily, someone checked their My Health record um, and recognised that previous penicillin allergy um, and then checked it verbally with the patient. They said, oh, actually, yes, they did. And it avoided a circumstance of potential anaphylaxis had that uh, intravenous penicillin being given to that patient in emergency. So that's just one small story of how important this is. You can imagine the circumstance where um, having had an episode of anaphylaxis, you've ended up in an emergency department. Um, it's really important for the clinician looking after you to know that you've got perhaps a history of peanut allergy because it'll just help guide your treatment that much better and make the situation a lot clearer for those looking after you if you're unable to communicate your, uh, your circumstance. So I think this is a, an opportunity where reinforcing that relationship between a GP and their patient can really help because Patients are increasingly mobile uh, these days, and I think they tend to see a range of different practitioners. Um, and they also see people between the public system, private system, general practice, um, and they're also self-determined individuals who, who have their own history and, and understanding of their health. And I think it's that disparate sort of uh, landscape that really means having a central repository of what are the allergies for this individual make, is even more important. And I think that's where the, uh, the relationship between a patient and a long-term GP can mean that they're responsible for filling out that shared health summary in the My Health record and keeping an accurate log of what is genuinely an allergy for that individual. Charlotte? And, and building on that, I think it's really important to know that things don't automatically get updated. So just because you have a My Health record and you have a GP who's uploaded a summary for you, it doesn't automatically happen if things change. So again, it's a, a matter of remembering that you need to update those records um, on a regular basis. And so I, I generally sort of have it in your head is it's probably a good idea to make sure you do it at least once a year. And if not, um, if something happens in the meantime, when that acute event happens. And going back to that sort of thing, if you never know when it's going to be useful, I had a patient who was knocked unconscious um, and had to go to via ambulance to the accident emergency. So similar story to Aaron's, but for them, it was it was actually a really crucial piece of information because it wasn't just about the fact that they were allergic to a particular medication, but it also actually was able to tell them that they were diabetic and they were on some crucial medicines that needed to be continued while they were being attended to for their really severe injuries from the car accident. So you guys have told some 
compelling stories um, about just how important it is for this information to be up to date and, and be in our My Health record. But let, let me just fill the shoes of somebody listening right now who um, has an allergy or, or, or is you know, has a child that has an allergy and wants to make sure that the My Health record is as valuable as it possibly can be. Can somebody just help me, walk me through the steps of how I can get access to my my health record how can i encourage my healthcare team to make sure that information is being uploaded what what are the types of information that's in there and you know and who's able to access that information charlotte are you able to kick us off and and giving you know consumers and, and people that are listening just a few um answers to some of those common questions about how to get started um, with using their my health record when it comes to their allergies look i like to um liken my health record to being like a Dropbox. So it's actually a repository for information about your health. It is not an electronic health record of itself. It is a repository of documents. So as you know, for, for me, if I think about me as, as the patient, what I'm able to do is go via my Gov portal and through that set up uh, an ability to access my own health record. If I then go in and have a look at that, what it gives you access to is that ability to go and have a look at records around medications that have been prescribed, visits to the doctor through Medicare, for instance. So there's a repository of that. And if your GP has uploaded an actual summary, the summary document of that is there. Now, the summary from your GP has got sort of four key things in it. As I said, it's not accessing their electronic record. It's just a summary sheet of the day it gets uploaded. So it gives information about who you or I am, um, what my date of birth is, where and and the gender that I identify with having. It's a summary of medicines that I'm on currently. So that obviously needs to be accurate when it's uploaded. It's a summary of past medical history and that can be if if it's uploaded by your GP it's a negotiation with you and and the GP about what is the important things that you want uploaded as past medical history and I always encourage that to be all the sort of the major diagnoses that you're needing to be known about or treated and or surgeries so for instance that you have had your appendix out that you've had um, surgery on to remove your tonsils, that you might have had an acute allergic reaction to something and, and that might be properly documented about what that was. And then finally, there's a summary about um, allergies that you actually have recorded and immunisations that have been given to date. So we now have immunisation records for everybody, not just children. So as an adult, if you've had your flu vaccines, then your GP should hopefully have uploaded all of those. So there'll be a summary of each of when you've had um, each of your vaccines. And most compelling at the moment is that that's where you'll also find your COVID vaccination. So you're absolutely able to know what dates you've had it, when you do for your second one, and then when you've actually completed your vaccination. So who has access to that information? Because as a consumer, I mean, that's one of the questions that I get asked a lot and, and I know that it's on people's mind is, you know, this information is important to me. Who, who accesses it? Um, great question. I have access as a patient. So as I said, I can go through um, the MyGov and I have access to my own health record and I might have access to somebody that I might be a carer of. So for instance, children under the age of 14 um, and then if the children 
give permission for me to have access to it and anyone else that I might be having to to look after. So an elderly aging parent, for instance, or a spouse if they lose capacity to to take care of themselves. The then the access is to your GP. So if I am your regular GP, then I have um permission with you to look at that My Health record and have a look at any other documents that have been uploaded. So, for instance, if you've been to an accident and emergency department, they might not have looked at it, but they might have done a summary of your discharge, I mean, of what happened and do what we call a discharge summary, and that is then um, automatically available on My Health record. If you go into hospital, then the carers can um, ask permission to access it and or in an emergency. So if you're unconscious and they they need to access it, they have permission to do it under extreme circumstances such as as that. Otherwise, any other specialist, allied healthcare professional can access it as well with your permission. But it's the with your permission that's the important thing. And Again, as a person who uses it, I, I can know who's actually looked at my um, health records. So no one can do it without you knowing. Yeah, and that's why it's so important for everybody to make sure they've got those contact details up to date. So you can you know make sure that when there is information being added to that My Health record, it's, um, it's something that you, you are across and you're aware of. Dean, did you have something to add? Yeah, a terrific place to start is actually looking at the National Allergy Strategy website. Um, that's national strategy, nationalallergystrategy.org.au, where there are some very simple steps a uh, patient can follow um, to upload their allergy information onto my health record. And there is also a clinician's uh, page where they could point out to their uh, family GP um, on how to take some simple steps to upload vital information onto my health record as well. Yeah, that's very useful. That was the nationalallergystrategy.org.au website. Um, just to wrap things up, um, is there some final words that each of you could give to consumers and patients that might be listening about their My Health record and allergies? I might start with you, Maria. I think the most important thing here is that your healthcare providers, uh, your GP and any specialists involved, any allied care health professionals or, uh, can have access to your information so that you don't have to, as a consumer or a patient, keep everything in your head, you know, the dose of medications, the uh, when you saw what doctor and all that sort of thing, you've got a place to put that information now so it doesn't add to your stress load. And the fact that, you know, it is current information and that uh, it can be shared with the people that you want to share it with. I think, you know, the take-home message is that my health record can make it easier for you to manage health conditions. And, you know, our focus today is allergy, but it can be uh, any health conditions. Aaron? So um, I would say that the most important thing to take home from this is we know that individuals who take an active interest in their health care end up being healthier because they take charge of whatever condition it is they have. So if you're someone who's got an allergy in this circumstance, or if you've got some complicated past medical history, go and talk to your regular GP. Um, 
make sure you've got that continuity relationship and ask them to upload a shared health summary into your My Health record. Because taking an active interest in it, talking through your allergies and your past medical history, your current medications and your vaccinations with your regular healthcare provider creates an opportunity to learn more, understand it, and actually prompts them to start using this system to your benefit. So please go out and give it a go. Charlotte? The advice to go out and give it a go is absolutely what I'd reiterate. Um, the My Health Record, as I said, is a repository of information. So it's as useful as the information that's in it. So, you know, go in, have a look, try putting things in there, go and talk to your GP and get them to upload it and just have a little play around so that you know that it's there and then you know, once you, you're using it, once you know about it, it will become extraordinarily helpful. And if you do have an allergy or your child's got an allergy, it is just such a really good way of making sure that as many people as possible who need to know when they need to know it have access to that information. Dean? Um, I, I love to emphasise and uh, focus for patients uh, to upload information on the dangerous allergies. So what we really would like um, critical information on is a, a child who has peanut allergy, tree nut allergy, milk, egg, um, shellfish, fish, sesame allergy to upload that vital information where they're at risk of having anaphylaxis. And this is terrific information that is shared across their healthcare professionals, their family doctors, and their allergy specialists. And the other um, information that is helpful is um, severe allergies to drugs, um, such as uh, penicillin. These are the information that will make a huge difference to healthcare, uh, both in the short term and long term. Thank you, everyone, um, for being part of the panel today. Some valuable and, and very useful information has been shared. So thank you to everyone for, for taking the time and, and thank you to everyone for listening. Allergies are increasing in Australia and affect approximately one in five people. My Health Record is a useful tool for adding information about your allergies so that your healthcare team have the information that they need at the right time. This podcast has been developed by the Australian Digital Health Agency in collaboration with the National Allergy Strategy. The National Allergy Strategy is a partnership between the Australasian Society of Clinical Immunology and Allergy and Allergy and Anaphylaxis Australia as the leading medical and patient support organisations for allergy in Australia. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.